Welcome to the New Models Podcast. This episode is a bit special in that it looks inward at the evolution of New Models and its digital structure vis-a-vis a a conversation with the designer and developer of the New Models website, John Lucas. John has been the guardian angel of our digital presence since our inception, starting in 2017 when we came to him and designer Eric Wren to help us sketch out an aesthetic world. What would New Models feel like? What would the user experience be? How could it cut a clear signal across the noise of collapsing legacy media. On this pod, we talked to John about that moment, but importantly, also what has happened in the five years since, sharing impressions of Web 2.5 coming into its own and turning now to the potentials of Web 3. For new models, this has meant going from a top-down aggregator of external media links to becoming a veritable two-way medium, perhaps in multiple senses of the word, structural and psychic, filtering information back and forth between our community and the wider world. Before we get into the conversation, however, we also wanted to announce some changes for new models. Many of you can probably feel that we're entering a new media moment yet again. It feels to us like a new zeitgeist is emergent, and we are super excited to be expanding our core team to now include Laith Banketa at Laith, who is coming on board in a position we're calling the NM Pathfinder. Leith will be working with Julian, Dan, and myself, as well as the community at large, to bring the NM server into its next phase and potentially into more direct communication with other creator communities, building out a new network. As some of you may already know, Leith is a designer by trade and was a core member of the Codex team, having first proposed its existence. For listeners on the NM Discord, you can reach out to him directly with community questions, ideas, and concerns. Also stepping up, joining Leith and at Shibco, who you also already know, in more general moderation. We're making a new role called the pilot. Right. Used to be an MCL leader, but pilot seems more apt now. So joining Shibco and Leith will be Will Freudenheim, or at underscore Will, and Sarah Wombold at S-A-H underscore R-A-W. Sarah, everyone knows. Everyone it. knows Sarah. Sarah, yes. Will was a central creator of the Webdex and Sarah of the Codex. Also, stay tuned for more from Will this winter. When we began New Models and drafted its first mission statement, one line was particularly important to us. New Models reserves the right to change. It's literally enshrined in our name. And so New Models is changing. I mean, we're changing continuously, but in the coming weeks, we're going to be opening our doors to... (laughs) Finally, with the long tease initiative we call Channel. Don't worry though, we're not closing off any of the existing routes for accessing New Models or being part of this community. While we'll be providing more detailed info and reflective discussion on Channel soon, here's the basic rundown. Channel uses NFTs, yes, non-fungible tokens, for membership IDs on a proof-of-stake blockchain. In simple language, it issues you a digital membership card that gives you access to our podcasts and any online platforms we may choose to utilize in case like Instagram deads new models like it deaded my account for (laughs) no reason. We'll be able to have the whole community seamlessly, frictionlessly join us wherever we may lay our heads. (laughs) Right. Even better, it will give you access to not just new models, but an RSS that will also include content from Joshua Citarella and Interdependence. 
Yes, those are our launch partners. It works with the green kind of blockchain proof of stake, not the other kind that causes everyone on Twitter to melt down over. And it will prioritize trustfulness over trustlessness. In other words, if you get hacked, you won't lose your place in the community. You can just DM us and we'll fix it. But we'll save the rest of this talk for our December program. And we'll turn now to the discussion at hand with designer and developer John Lucas, who's joining us in person in Berlin. New model special report. Okay, we are in the <laughs> studio today with none other than NewModels.io designer John Lucas, who is in Berlin joining us from Paris. Uh, John, welcome finally to the New Models podcast. Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> so we thought we would finally get to talk to John a little bit about his practice, of course, about like how the NewModels.io website came to be and its first iteration and where we are going with the still in transition, not due to John's work, he's finished it, to our populating the site with the evolved 0.2.5 or a version, I'm not sure. And also just to maybe get a sense of how UX is changing, how like what web design means in like a post web two world. I mean, before we even talk about the website, it all sort of started with the logo, right? The that's logo was the first. True. That's how we came the to The first sort of project. You. Yeah, John, basically we, we met, uh, I mean, it's so funny. He totally just basically grifted us, typed new models in Arial uh, Black and was like, ha <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Go back. I remember, so uh, Eric Ren had just started at Art Forum when I was leaving Art Forum and we sort of shared a pool of friends and I came to Eric and I said, hey, we're starting something called New Models and we wanted to be a little fashionable, kind of like a 90s Condé Nast magazine. And then we're also going to need a website. It's going to be digital first. And so Eric was sort of like, have you heard of this guy, John Lucas? He did the Bjarne Melgard site, which was I think called stabfrenzy.com. No, right? just Bjarne Melgard. No, it was just Bjarne Melgard.com. Okay. Um, which is a totally insane site that was like seemingly impossible to navigate, but also was totally logical. It's sort of like a perfect digital iteration of Bjarne's career. And you can continue the story, Julian. I, I was just made up a story. No, well, was, you it's true. just came back with like, maybe you pick up the story from here. Yeah, well, I'm just going to confirm Julian's story. Yeah. <laughs> no, I remember the first email that you sent spoke about uh, like an Occam's razor approach yeah. to creating a logo. So um, so I think that's where the aerial came into play. You know, how can sort of an economy of means <laughs> yeah. or like a path of least resistance kind of thing. But um, um, the most striking thing about that email was just that you were the first client who offered to pay in crypto. Oh, pay me in crypto. Oh, that's right. true. Because I remember, oh, yeah, I remember when Eric and I got that email, just like, oh God. <laughs> and then, oh, well, I mean, I think it was like a fraction of a Bitcoin. And then I bet in like 10 years, the amount that you paid for that logo will be at like the, the like <laughs> eight no insane way. level. So um, okay, that's just gonna hold good, on to it. Power good to, that's like deflation. Yes. Um, <laughs> you're gonna have to answer for your uh, kerning. Buddy. Oh yeah, I'm looking at it right now. That L and the S are touching. What's up? With I that? love that. What's no, that's that? really good. But I think that's also Eric's doing. That was like is that the Eric's one. Doing? Uh, Carly insisted there was a deliberate, purposeful yeah. logic to the kerning. Yeah, yeah. So the big thing is, 
as a graphic designer, whenever you use Arial, it's basically Arial is, is the bastard typeface of Helvetica. And it's like, it's objectively the worst typeface. Yes. <laughs> so if, yeah. if you want a typeface like that, choose Helvetica. If you want like a shittier version, choose Arial. And oh. you, you learn that in school. Right. Um, so <laughs> you, you learn that freshman year. But if you're just very proud about it, um, it, it comes off well. But the other sort of little note is that um, Arial is web friendly. Right. And Helvetica isn't. So if we had to use Helvetica, we would have had to import additional fonts. And I just like that since this was web native, it was really coming right. from that um, from the language. Default. Yeah. So um, it's a default font. The kerning is default. Yes, that LS might be a little weird. There are plenty of other things about that typeface. For me, the R, <laughs> the R is also horrible in Arial. But um, anyway, I like the character, you know? Wait, that means if I can't find the PNG, I can just type new models in, in Arial Bold? Black. Oh, maybe but, so. In Bold and, okay. and then it's, Black, it's sorry. fine. Yeah, yeah. Little, okay, cool. little, little caveat, it might be tracked in a bit. But the uh, kerning uh-huh. is... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, There's a secret. Um, uh, yeah, so I mean, that's half the logo. That's half the logo right there. And, but there's another half to it. The other half is, well, you sent this email saying that you were going to pay us in Bitcoin. So then I was like, you know, well, how can we just use Bitcoin to make the logo? Yeah. Basically just, you know, a, a judo move, just take your energy and just whoop, <laughs> feed it right back into the logo. And, um, so there was a, a web socket out. So we just plugged it in. You said it was great, but... Uh, of course, new models isn't just about crypto. Right. So how can we make it a little bit more sophisticated and yeah. then bringing all these um, API feeds, yeah. all this data from all over the place? You know, you have economic information, social information, climate information, just mixed together in like the most simple like multiplication division. Yeah. Basic algebra. Just to be clear, we're talking now about if you're on newmodels.io, you will see the new models logo changing form. It, it goes from like totally blacked out to its regular letters. And that kinetic activity is correlated to dolphin sightings, the weather in Berlin, crypto. What other factors? Um, NASA, the NASA, near Earth asteroids. Near Earth asteroids. And so it's a mathematical equation um, that then dictates whether or not it's very accurate active or not active at all. And it's 100% real time. Yeah. It's all real. And I mean, how, how long has it been online for? Like five or six years? Yeah, since 2018. And, and it hasn't broken. It's, it's true. It which hasn't. Which is kind of crazy. Yeah. I sort of thought it was... I mean, I remember a story a couple months after we put it on, I got an email from you saying, um, John, the logo's broken. Can you check it out? And I went to the site and it was static. So I did some debugging and then I realized that there were zero city bikes at the first city bike station, which means my my simple algebraic equation was Zoot just being multiplied by zero. <laughs> um, and then I, I was like, oh, that's weird. Why are there zero bikes? And it's because the next day um, New York was expecting a blizzard. So apparently when they do that, they remove all the city bikes from all the stations. <laughs> So the new models logo in Berlin stopped working until the blizzard passed. Wow. So yeah, that's when that's it's just cool. like this weird logo. <laughs> I mean, so this is one of the things that I really appreciate about your design. And I think you can see across all of the work that you do is that it has a way of just linking to something that's real, breathing, chaotic, unpredictable. And that's evident in the design in the most simple way. Generally, the sites feel also like low bandwidth. Like do you design with efficiency in mind? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I um I have no patience for loading. They say like the average user will visit a website for like one to three seconds and I'll visit a website oh. for like two hundred milliseconds. <laughs> but um <laughs> 
So, I mean, part of it is that I have a sister that works for the JPL that sends the rover, you know, to Mars. And, oh, wow. And right. uh, I went to go and visit and uh, talk shop with her. She writes code too. And just first seeing like, a lab of like 1990s Dells. Wow. <laughs> and then like I'm writing JavaScript, I was like, okay, if they can send stuff to Mars using this, like yeah, we, yeah. Don't, we don't need like the absolute latest framework. Like we can do a lot with what's been given to us. Yeah. I, I, I'm always noticed that like Mars rovers use G3 processors from the 90s that you still use these, a- yeah. well, like Apple's use. Is that because the- they're just more energy efficient in a sense? I think that there's less complications. Less so complications. They've worked for a long time. They're, I think they're more radiation hardened. So that's true. In the JPL, it's actually all older Dells. Well, I, I don't know what it is right now. Right, you know, right, they're, right. they're probably on Apple or whatever. But um, yeah, I, f- I found it inspirational. Mm. I mean, I always feel that, that way about like bikes in the city. I have a very basic bike that's pretty beat up, but it's the perfect form. It will never get stolen. It gets me where I need to go. I love it. Yeah, I think it's a good it's a good ethos, especially for the internet, which is of course changing very rapidly all the time. You want something that's not going to have a lot of drag. And I would say that like even as we start to build out. An Occam's Razor approach is also more or less what we're going for. Stay light, like not overcomplicated. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. John, I noticed, uh, I mean, a lot of your sites oftentimes based on one weird trick or a few weird tricks. Are your little tricks often proprietary or code that's like open source and you deploy it in a kind of special way? I guess extended to this too, is there a particular community maybe you're part of where you all share little hacks and tips and tricks together? How does it work? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I should I should patent. I should patent some of my tricks. There's a community of designers. Every once in a while, I'll see something cool, like a subtle detail usually. And in terms of the bigger sweeping stuff that I do, I think it's just because people don't have much of an attention span sometimes. So I think of the website for Sophie, for example, that I did that one with Eric, but this sort of like, let's just get them in, get them to see what the tour dates are. And Can you like, describe it, the site? Because it is really unique. I mean, just to go through the process, I think, uh, I mean, it was similar to New Miles, it's just like Eric came to me, oh, Sophie needs a website. Here are three images, like, what can we do? Um, I think I just made maybe like 10 sketches and brought them in to Eric and we had a discussion about it. And I remember he took one of the sketches and he had the, the image of Sophie and, I, and in design, he just like stretched it to the bottom. And I was like, that's it. Like, I'm, I'm leaving, I'll be back, I'll be back in two days. And then, yeah, I just came back with it and just green light, green light, green yeah, light. And yeah, that was yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah, so. yeah, it looks amazing. I mean, also this idea of like stretching of the body and like the identity or whatnot that- It's, it's, it's so, I guess also to, to answer your question, it's not like pre-calculated. I think you can only arrive at that through prototypes and through sort of iterations. I, I don't think I could have sat down and like envisioned like, okay, yeah. you know, because when you think about that, that site is very simple, but when you actually think about what what's going on, like trying to make sense logically, it's like more difficult than you'd think. So often clients want something totally predetermined. So is that a difficult dynamic to... You give them what you want, and then you do, you have this other thing and you're like, or you could have this. And then they're always like, oh, we don't want what we want anymore. In video, it's like you put purposeful mistakes. No, that's you. (laughs) But this is true. But like, you know, they always are going to give feedback. So if Mm. you're really psyched about your first cut, you put a few mistakes in that they can catch Mm. that they feel like they have some agency over the I heard, you know that uh, that branding agency Pentagram? Yeah. I heard Michael Beirut say the same exact thing. Really? You put flaws in your presentation, clear flaws, and the client will say, oh, that that shouldn't be purple, it should be black. And then they... 
Oh, uh, the client needs to agency over it. I mean, um, <laughs> of course, working with you, though, I feel like, I, I mean, it, it's actually really spoiled me, but I wonder like what your working process is. So like, I know you work for different kinds of clients. Some are a bit more experimental. Some are a bit more traditional, but like now that you've been in the business for a little while, do you have like a certain working method that you've settled on? Yeah, it's never, never the same twice. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, I like uh, just going with that initial impulse. So for example, with new models, yeah. you know, you, you mentioned cryptocurrency in the first email and yeah. just, you know, it's, it's sort of dumb to be like, oh, like this brand, oh, I'm just going to take this one little detail and I'm going to try and like explode that into, but I always think that initial instinct is a good starting point. Mm, yeah. I was looking into uh, some of the processes that big agencies use, someone like uh, McKinsey or something, even if they have a very strict process that they follow, they'll have something called a day one answer. Ah. So I think that's sort of that thing. Like usually when you meet the client, you might even have a better idea of what they want than they do. Yeah. And then it's really just about sort of rationalizing and just confirming. Oh, that's interesting. So the work is less designed than it is almost social engineering. <laughs> Julian. <laughs> it's client's work. I think. Yeah, not designed. I think there's right? a lot of social engineering. What, what's, yeah. what's the first website you made that is still online intact? I mean, there's there's probably stuff on GeoCities, so <laughs> who knows? And I started making games actually in the elementary school, fifth grade. So I think that's like the introduction to like basic coding and like sprite sheets and just sometimes I think game mechanics are so far ahead of web and just like visually and how they communicate where you're supposed to go and what you're supposed to do and how they captivate users for so, so long periods of times. But um, I don't know, they're like parallel, but they're, they never cross. Mm. I wonder how you feel what users expect has changed since you first started making websites for better or for worse. No, not really. <laughs> and, and actually, it's funny because when the hamburger menu first started coming in, people were like, yeah, you know, some users don't really get it now, but it's it's the way of the future. Everyone's going to understand it. But even now, I, I feel like not many sites have hamburger or yeah. uh, people do understand. But I think it's pretty clear that sites are better without hamburger menus I don't the hamburger is always disappointing right Wait, sorry what you know, <laughs> exactly <laughs> you know the like the three lines in the right or left hand corner upper corner usually yeah. that like is like the drop down menu yeah yeah and that's how a lot of sites are organized totally I didn't know this oh yeah yeah, yeah. so no, basically from a from a design standpoint if you don't want to deal with organizing your information you want to brush it under the rug just put it in the hamburger menu mm. then you don't have to worry about it that's what it's Got about. It. Um, and then yeah the, the downside is no one's going to know what's there unless they click it. The hamburger sounds like an op, to be honest, <laughs> by the beef industry or something. <laughs> because it doesn't, it's a really easy thing to not notice. Are there any design peeves that you have? Things that you feel like should just die? Yeah, what's the worst like, trend right now? Yeah. Oh, wow, that's a good one. Um, using any font other than Arial. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I agree, actually. When I was in Amsterdam meeting up with a bunch of younger design students, they were very avid about finding the newest and coolest fonts. Yeah. And they really did not understand why designers from New York would use Helvetica and Arial so much. Really? But I think from our standpoint, we use it so that it, we, because we don't want the font to be seen, we want the concept to come through. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And if your eyes caught on the font, you're, it's probably blocking that other level. So I don't see it as necessarily a choice to use Arial, for example, 
I see it as a choice of not having picked. That's such a good point. And in this time of like, you can have any prefab font you want. Like Mm. fonts don't necessarily connote what they were supposed to connote. Like anytime I see Courier, I actually just think of like an Instagram typeface. I don't think of like, oh, it's a typewriter or or I think of like the Labo or something, I guess. But like it feels suburban or something. Also, it's like, look at these like Instagram design aggregation pages, like Chrome text and edgy bubble rave shit. Like, all looks the same anyways. Yeah, right, right, right. There's not anything else going on for you than the shape of your letters. Like, right. you're not thinking yeah, hard exactly. enough. But have you ever designed a font? Yeah, I made a font in school with this type designer, Cyrus Highsmith, and it was based off that, that Jonathan Swift essay, A Modest Proposal, and it was a, a font I was trying to create a font that could somehow convey sarcasm. So if you were just saying something sarcastic, you just said it in this font and it's just as easy to read as anything else, but it's just very clear that it's sarcastic. I mean, that is actually what we need for Instagram or Twitter or whatever. I guess it's the font where you do the capitalization. Right. Oh, up and down. uh, Yeah. Capitalization. capitalization. That has become the standard for that. Or like backslash S. I've I've seen There's also that, but I think that's like... It's like I'm sarcastic and I care. Backslash S. That's not evocative. To let you know. Uh, The capitalization, I think, evokes sarcasm much more, pretty effectively. But did did the font look a little bit like that or... Or yeah, it looked awkward. It looked okay. awkward. Yeah. <laughs> but um, even, yeah, I, I think more than sort of custom fonts, I see a lot of those like Unicode fonts, you know, that people will use in like an Instagram bio or a Twitter bio oh, yeah. that are like, like oh, cursive yeah. or something. Yeah. Or, yeah. I don't really know why. Who, the, who I don't is know. The Unicode, right? It's like this shadowy yeah, like, global Unicode? consortium who like decides <laughs> emojis and all. Like, who yeah. are they? Yeah, we got to find out. You don't know? I don't know. Someone is making my life like, hell. I feel like they meet in Switzerland or something yeah. like once a year. Like it's like it's like the Bilderberg group or something. It's like- <laughs> Xerox dates back to the eighties. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Origins of Unicode date to eighty seven with Joe Becker from Xerox with Lee Collins and Mark Davis from Apple. Investigating the practicalities of creating a universal character set. It's America. American. CIA. Basically, CIA runs decides. Xerox is more DOD than CIA, Uh, I think. I think the first hamburger icon came from Xerox. Really? Yeah. Oh, Oh, Xerox invented the whole mouse and like the desktop as we imagine. It did. Yes. Xerox invented the Xerox had the like skeuomorphic sort of uh, desktop kind of thing before. No Windows kidding. or uh, Apple. Like in the 80s. Well, when was the first like sort of like pictorial representation of desktop? I think it was the summer no. of 79. No, 89. It had to be. <laughs> Mac is from, 80, Holy shit, from no. 84. 76. No. It was Xerox Park. 76 was a really, really early one with Windows and you click and you drag okay. stuff. It's really, it really early. Okay. Looks, looks great, I gotta it say. It looks great, yeah. Are there any um, design features that have become oh, obsolescent? Wait, wait, wait. That... Also, they call it WIMP. Oh, you Window love that. icon oh, menu yeah. and pointing device. Oh, you're not Wimp. gonna you're gonna say that again and again. <laughs> Are there any design features or tendencies or user knowledge that has become obsolescent that you wish would return? I feel like the web operates on a very cyclical basis. So, I was gonna ask that. I mean, uh, there there are these moments where everyone wants things to feel really slick and have smooth yeah. transitions, and and then there are other moments where they just want direct access to. To content during the um, the new models lifespan, it's actually done a, almost a full cycle. <laughs> True, I yeah. would say, 
And now when I see uh, a lot of stuff around crypto or Ethereum, I see that directness has come back. You don't like click a button to buy something for $3,000. You buy for like 3,500.32. And you know, if I look at like foundation or something, the interface is basically white with maybe they'll use like shadows, like a drop shadow. And that's pretty much it. So I think it's circling back, but in in a slightly different way. Yeah, yeah. Not, it doesn't feel as raw. It feels a little bit more sophisticated, but just as direct, I'd say. Right. So it's somewhere between brutalist, where it's not like prefab, like Tumblr or something, where everything's preset and you can't really intervene on the logic of it too much, and also feeling like it's somehow bespoke. I mean, it's like a straightforward but slick aesthetic, where it's like there's so much problems with onboarding people into the whole ecosystem that yeah, that's you, true. you want it to look a little candy coated and right. friendly. It's weird how ubiquitous it's become where you see things that are completely incongruous using that same aesthetic, like the sea setters using that same aesthetic, which makes sense. But it's like the purpose of that aesthetic was to like make onboarding easy and it just becomes, you know, the house style. Yeah. I think there's a lot of that. Yeah. So much of it is related to the technology too. I know the the rise of the React framework had this mentality that was based more on modules. I mean, actually, could we, so some of you may have already experienced the new new model site. And if you've clicked on the dark side, you've been able to have a portal to our Discord. And it's a really unique way of linking what we've been calling on this podcast dark forest spaces with what we've been calling as clear net spaces or like outside of the forest spaces. And John, maybe, you know, I remember we gave you a brief and we said, here's how we spatially visualize our community evolving. Can we make a website that reflects this? Is there some way that we can translate this into a user digital experience who's coming to the new model site? And you really, really brilliantly executed it. Can you speak a little bit about like how the site is structured and maybe like your process in yeah, designing? Yeah, I mean, thank you. Uh, I have a little bit of distance between the New Miles community yeah. myself. So I just asked myself, you know, what would I like to see? And even when you sent me an invitation to Discord, you know, I had to sort of accept it. And the first time I saw it with all the channels, I was a little like confused. Well, not confused, but intimidated, I would say. <laughs> I it's um, common. It's common. Yeah, so I was like, well, what if we just keep it on the site? And it's just, you know, toggle is just right there like a light switch. And then the only little caveat I would add is just making sure that works really well on the technical side. So right. you're not like loading something else. You don't need like any additional information. It's instantaneous. And I mean, as a intermediary figure who's trying to construct the website and be like an intermediary between the user and our community, you set up the CMS in a very intuitive way. So there are all these modules. The dark side is structured as a number of modules, which can be uh, switched in and out and which allows us to have a very active site. We can build it in more or less any way we want. We have this connection built, this portal built to our Discord community or to, it. I mean, I imagine like it accepts the API of any different platform, not just Discord. It could be any other site and we can plug it in so that the newmodels.io website does become this aggregator, not just of news stories, but also of user content. And it's yeah, quite a brilliant way of having those two levels sit next to each other. Just not to embarrass you on the. <laughs> uh, I got a more embarrassing thing. John could be like, "Yeah, my style is funky functional." <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Pretty good. Pretty funk good. meets function. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> 
<laughs> intersection of I just like the uh, intersection of funk and functional. But to to go back to to Bjorn's website, I remember the pitch was one sentence. What did he it say? Was, he said, "I want it to be crazy, but work very well." <laughs> and, <laughs> that's, that's like Bjorn and like. Well, I feel like that's like all that I <laughs> yeah. do. It's just like on one hand, it's like crazy, and then on the other hand, it has to work very well. And it's just like the tension between those two points. And also, like in a way, the Bjorn website though, like you just keep clicking more. And then more things fill up the screen, and you just click more and more. It, it has a very like drug addict yeah. quality true, to it, true. and like well, you could like overdose maybe. Like I guess if theoretically yeah. enough content, you could like crash your computer or something. That was <laughs> built with a new technology called a um, a headless CMS. Mm. Um, so yeah, this idea that instead of it being sort of a, a structured website in a traditional sense, you have all the content hosted somewhere else. On a different server, and you're just like asking for it. You know what do you want? What do you want? So yeah, I, I think this idea of like headlessness, <laughs> clicking more and more and more and more, a disconnect between the body and the head. Yeah, I think it, it all fits with the website. It's a fall. Yeah. I mean, but to go back to your point, Carly, too, I was I was very impressed when the ciphers came out, just how you used the CMS. I mean, I left it open intentionally, but I just remember, you know, sometimes there would be an embed like the clock or an Instagram post. Or just, I think that's the best outcome. You sort of create a site that's just space, maybe a garden garden or just anything. And uh, you set some rules and hand it off to the client. And the best you can hope for is that the client destroys it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Embrace the mess. Yeah, embrace the mess. That is a motto of sorts here. I want to ask you what the greatest website of all time is. (laughs) What's like a banger, like your favorite song of website. (laughs) One every once in a while, you're like, oh, I love that. Want to visit? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll say a recent one that I saw was the the Lutzbacher website. I think she made it herself. You arrive and there's some sort of green uh, camouflage and uh, like a hot magenta left and right arrows. So it's you know it's sort of similar to what I do in that the how you're supposed to interact with it is very clear. And then just the the progression. Sometimes it's an image. Sometimes it's a screenshot of an email. Sometimes it's a video. It also feels good for like an, as an artist website. That's right. why it's like on a contextual level. But what I do is I download them and mm. I archive them on a on a hard drive when I do find them. Oh, so wow. I have about a hundred websites that. Um, yeah. Rhizome, if you're listening now, you know you know how to reach John. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is a primo archive here. I have to say that when I was trying to make just like a personal website, just listing writing, I really like Marlon Carpenter's website. That's one that's on my hard drive. It's good, right? It's really good. And I mean, he's started he built that I'm sure like in the 90s or something and just keeps updating it and tinkering with it um, and I also just stole the code oh, from and the it the Re- Rena Spallings Rena Spallings also yeah, yeah also a really a good classic. site um, do you still have that page where it's just like the cyber goth Germans I dancing do. And yeah then- it's all I need it's perfect <laughs> not to end on a negative note but I am wondering if there's anything what's your least favorite if I hate a website for me at least that's interesting you know, mm-hmm. why Why do I hate it? Is it a design element or whatever? So it's really <laughs> indifference and boredom. Yes, that, yeah. that, of course. Generally, that's yeah. worse yeah. Than yeah. in general. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, I have sort of two questions to end with. But the first one is, 
I know at New Models, we thought a lot about how people imagine the digital comments, like where they imagine to find each other online. And during the teens, it was very much these Web2 social media platforms. And now we are moving beyond that. Discord has been the default comments for us. But where do you see, or maybe just personally, where do you imagine? How do you visualize the digital comments for yourself right now? Like where you are when you're online? I like to have a, a bit of distance. Yeah. But it reminds me also, my mother's a, a librarian ah. and um, sort of that those spaces may be disappearing or just the need for just a, a place where people can can gather and mm. talk and not have to worry too much about the larger public. Yeah. How, how important that is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're grateful that you're helping us build a space for like our community. My last question is, in your mind, first answer that comes to mind. What does the internet smell like? Mm, that's funny. It's funny because my dad worked in, in sort of the business intelligence for a while. And he says that when you go to visit a company uh, to know whether it's doing well or not, you you smell it. What he describes as smelling it. Really? As, as sort of like taking in this sort of subconscious information. But does he really also mean smell it? Like sort of like no, if there's stale coffee. Because so. like in a sense, in a sense like you could imagine, like you can imagine a company is not doing well. Like it just smells like burnt coffee and like bad perfume mm. or paint. Or like I mean, uh, you know, like picking up on small imperceptible yeah, signals that yeah, walk yeah, through the yeah, air. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. Okay. If it were to have it's a just, smell, what just, would it? What comes to mind? Very, I mean, very cold and, and steely. Cold and steely. Maybe, yeah. Maybe yeah. a hyper steel shabli. Hyper steel shabli. Thank you very much for joining Thank us. You, John. Thank you, John. You, you can you. find out more at john-l.com. Really premium site to have so few characters. Low characters. Very cool. And uh, stay tuned as in the coming months, we start to fill out this new New Models website and we will look forward to doing that together. Thanks again, John. Thank I you. Thank you. Hope you enjoy your weekend in Berlin. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this New Models podcast and thank you, John Lucas, for coming on the show. You can check out more of John's work by going to jon-l.com. And you can, of course, visit the site he built for New Models, both by going to newmodels.io and by clicking through to the beta version. If you happen to be in Miami this week or if you live there, shout out Nick No Exit. You can check out a special project we've been working on for High Symbiotes High Art, which is a museum store without the museum. It launches this week. You can also find some new models work in the current issue of Kaleidoscope and a banger about Anna Imhoff in the December issue of Art Forum. We also have a banger episode coming in the next few days featuring Jerry Gagosian, Hildy Lynn Heffelstein, as well as her partner, Matthew Capasso. Markets, art, speculation, Basel, Miami. Oh, it's Lots. brutal. It's brutal. It's, it's great. It's very good. Anyway, that's all for now. Look out for Will, Sarah, Shipko, and Leith in the server. And see you next episode. This has been a New Models production. Audio production, mixing, and mastering by Low Internet. The intro music was ACID by Boy Marine. The outro music is Paper Doll Club Mix by PM Dawn. To join new models, visit patreon.com slash new models.